Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Chapel podcast. We hope this message inspires, challenges, and encourages you while giving you practical steps to take in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. Amen. Hey, aren't you glad we're not fighting just for victory, but as believers, we're fighting from victory? Amen. That everything you need, everything you need in your life could flow out of the, the promises and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ this morning. And for that, I am super grateful, and I'm fired up, and I'm glad that you're here. And we're kicking off a new teaching series today called Protect This House. And what we're talking about, like I said earlier, is marriage and family. So let me give you a few disclaimers. You ready? Number one. I am not a parenting or marriage expert. You're like, oh, great. No, I'm not. And you know what? I don't even know if I always trust the experts because here's what I learned. I thought I understood how to parent one child, and then we had another, and they were different. And then when we left the hospital with our first, they didn't give us an instruction manual. Where are the experts then, right? I didn't even know how to un, you know, uh, open, uh, unfold the stroller when we took Maddie out for the first time to Kohl's. I'm sitting in the parking lot. How do you open this, right? Where are the experts then? But I am someone who has kids. I am someone that is married. And I do know that God helps those that cry out to him. Are you with me? So uh, that's one of the disclaimers. The second disclaimer is I don't always like preaching on parenting because I don't want my kids in a fishbowl any more than they are. For example, I'm going to preach on parenting today, and I'm going to get a call from uh, Piper's teacher tomorrow that she throat punched someone in PE class, right? And they're going to be like, oh, great, that's the kind of parent you are. Or you're going to see me snip at one of my kids in the community room. Uh, and I am a parent, and I do put God first in our home, but I'm telling you what, parenting isn't easy. Are you with me? Right? And so today, let's just be real and honest, and we're just going to be vulnerable. Another thing interesting about parenting and marriage talks at church is, A, some people get defensive. Don't tell me how to parent your kid. And I'm thinking, hey, well, someone has to. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> kidding. And then some people like, hey, pastor, how long is this series going to be? Because I don't have any kids at home. I'm not married. So can I take a few weeks off? I'm kidding. No. You can't. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. We need to support one another regardless of what season you're in. Are you with me? Kids, here's your disclaimer. Parenting is much harder than you think. There's something about being a teenager. It's like that small window of your life. You know everything. Uh, but something happens when you become an adult and you realize you don't know that much anyways, right? So be patient with your parents. And I don't know. I think God's going to do something. I, I asked the Lord, um, why, are we, why, why did you impress this on my heart now? You know, um, if, if you've not been around, maybe you haven't noticed, maybe you haven't sensed it, uh, but myself, Danette, the staff, we really believe God's up to something special and unique at Harvest. Uh, we're growing. People are finding Jesus. There's so many stories. Yeah, you could clap for that, of course. All, all glory goes to the Lord, of course. But we're like, why a parenting or a marriage series now? I mean, there's so many other things we could talk about, kind of fan the flame, stoke the momentum, those kind of things. And, and I just just felt impressed that you know when people begin to grow in their relationship with jesus when people catch fire for the things of god i believe the enemy works overtime and one of the things we know that the enemy of our soul the devil who comes to steal kill and destroy loves to attack and it's the family it's your marriage 
And maybe you're, and I'm not being mean here, but maybe you're used to dysfunction and un, uh, unhealthy relationships or unhealthy patterns in your home, but I want you to know that God has something better for you. And it takes some intentional growth and work and being aware and all of these things. And so I'm just believing that as we look at this series, Protect This House, that as Christians, we're not going to fall into the trap of playing defense. Oh, I hope everything's not too hard. But we step out in offense knowing that God is for us. He's got a plan for us. And greater is he that's in us than in the world. Are you with me? But there has to be some intentionality. There has to be some purpose. There has to be some passion around raising our kids, protecting our marriages, uh, and knowing that it's important. And so this is why we're doing this talks. So today I don't come like I know it all, but I'm gonna share some things that have been shared with me that I've tried to put into practice. And um, I, I hope we could grow together as a church in this area because here's what I know, God loves families. Amen. God loves kids. Amen. Uh, and Pastor, Saint, uh, Pastor Shane said it first service, but he didn't say it, I don't believe this service. The last handful of weeks, we've had around 250 plus kids, babies through fifth graders in the building on Sunday. That's a lot of little ones, right? Yeah, I love that. We're, we're, we're seeing more and more students come on Wednesday night. Listen, kids are important. And so whether you're a mom or a dad, an older sister, older brother, a grandparent, listen, we need to rally around and protect the family and keep Jesus at the center. If you're tracking with me so far, say amen. I'm gonna do my best to get through uh, all of this. If I don't, then uh, that's okay. Luke 6, 31 says this. I love this. And this is kind of just a springboard for, for the to tone of these talks. It says, treat others as you want them to treat you. How many think that's a good idea? How many think that's kind of a lost art? Right? Treat others as you want them to treat you. Great words from Jesus. And I would just throw it out there. If we do this in our homes, we're going to see some breakthroughs. If we just treat people like we want to be treated, it may not be instantaneous, but I'm telling you what, this is a culture shifter in your homes, in your relationships, in your marriage. Right? Do that watch what will happen. So today, let's jump right in. I'm going to keep it on the lowest shelf. My heart is not to, to baffle you with my brilliance, but rather give you, I don't have any, but rather give you some tools as you navigate this thing called parenting. And we're going to look at what God says to parents, right? So this is not Wes's opinion, what God says to parents. I'm going to put it in the form of an outline so it'll be easy to take notes, but my heart is just to share a few things. Number one, God says this to us, right? God says, don't exasperate your children, Right? God says, don't exasperate your children. The Bible's word, uh, that's the Bible word for saying, don't drive your kids up a wall. And you're saying, well, they drive me up a wall. That may be true. Uh, but the word says, don't exasperate your children. Ephesians 6 4. Listen, Paul's writing a letter to the church. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Isn't that interesting that he put dads? Okay, I'm offended. I'm offended. Now, I will first acknowledge that I'm a professional exasperator to my girls. Some of it's unintentional, some of it's not, but I want to know before you ladies get all smug and you know, got self-righteous on me, I've seen moms exasperate their kids. Men, are you with me? Amen. Listen, some of you men are too afraid of your wives right now to even say anything, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think it's a great word. Don't exasperate your kids, right? This is awesome, but what does that mean? How do we exasperate our kids? Let me give you a few ways that I know I've exasperated my kids and I'm guessing you probably have in one or more of these areas. One of the things we do is we have unclear boundaries. When we're not specific, we tell our kids, hey, don't watch too much TV. Well, how much is too much? One hour, 20 hours, 13 hours, right? And then we snip at them for watching too much TV. Or maybe nowadays, don't be on your phone, your screen's too much. What is too much? 
We were on the way to the airport yesterday to pick up Lexi. Side note, this is great, Lex. Lex comes home from school. She's in Florida. She leaves. It's 80 degrees. Last night, she comes home to northern Illinois, and it's snowing. Yes. If I'm going to be in the cold, so is she. That's what I'm saying, right? But on the way to the airport, on the way to the airport, Piper goes, she's 12. Piper goes, hey, can I have some of my candy? Sure, sure, go ahead, right? I always try to answer before mom because mine's going to be a yes on the candy, right? I need, I need to bring that back. Danette's right, but I, you know, hey, have some candy. She's quiet back there. I said, hey, do you have any of your candy left? She's like, real quiet. No. I'm like, so what? Is there a different word for the word some? What does it mean something different now? She ate the whole thing, but I wasn't clear, so how can I snip at her? Right? Or you, your kids get older, and you're like, hey, be in early tonight. Do you ever tell your kids that? Be in early. Well, what is early? 3 a.m.? That's early, early morning, <laughs> right? And so sometimes we're not clear. We exasperate them. They get fired up. Why do we do this? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, maybe we just get a little lazy. We're, we are not really articulate in the way we communicate. But here's what I want you to know. Here's a little takeaway here. It, there is a great value in defining clear boundaries for your kids. All of us, regardless of age, we thrive where we know the boundaries. I think there's something safe, there's something purposeful about when we, we create boundaries, and I think our kids will do better when we create clear boundaries. If you're tracking so far, say amen. Here's another thing that I know has exasperated my kids before. It's unpredictable discipline. Sometimes I'll snip at them for something, they'll do the same thing again, and I don't. It's confusing. Is it right? Is it wrong? Should I or shouldn't I? And I think we all do that. We're unpredictable in our discipline. Why? Maybe sometimes we get tired. I watch uh, the young moms and dads chase their kids around the church, and I'm like, man, Piper at 12, I, I'm grateful I don't have to run after her anymore, right? Your hands are full. You get tired of saying no, don't touch that, don't eat that, don't put your finger there. You know what I'm saying? All day long. You just get tired, Right? And then we kind of let the guard down, and uh, it, we become even more unpredictable. Sometimes we're unpredictable in our discipline because we want our kids to like us. And I've seen this more and more as the kids get older. Like, I, I don't want to be hard on them, Pastor, because I want them to like me. Now, I think you're crazy if you don't want your kid to like you. You know, you know hey, Lex, my whole goal in life is for you not to like me. Right? No, that's just dumb. However... That God's gifted you with these kids, these grandkids, as a trust, and you're the steward. So there might be moments they may like you a little less, but when they're mature enough to understand, they're going to respect you a whole lot more. It's important, right? A third thing that exasperate kids, unbalanced criticism. If you're always nitpicking, 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 right? Always critical. You know, being critical is just easy. Being a critic is easy. You know, criticism is a cheap gift. We say around here, the loudest boos usually come from the cheapest seats, right? There, there needs to be a time, a place, and a method to, to speak to something. When your, your child is not doing what they should, we want them to succeed, right? We do. And so when they hose it up, and they will, like you did, like I do, you need to speak to it. But what if we made it a priority to speak more life and more encouragement than we do just criticism? Are you with me? And a lot of time, our criticism comes out that we're not happy with us, so we're going to just project it on someone else. 
you know, maybe we could be overly stereotypical here, but dad comes home, he's stressed at work, he takes it on mom, mom takes it out on the oldest, the oldest takes it on the youngest, and the youngest kicks the dog, you know what I'm saying, right? And there's that trickle-down effect. But maybe if we're in a healthier, better place, maybe we'll be in a spot to be more encouraging, to be more life-giving. Are you tracking with me, right? There's just something powerful about a parent speaking life to and over and through their kids, right? Just because you're cranky, you don't have to be negative to your kids, right? I think that's good. Lord, help us speak life and not just be critical all the time. Sometimes we exasperate our kids because of just unreasonable demands. By that, I mean making demands not only that are out of sight, that they can never do, but also demands where you never give them the reason why. Now, get it. I, I get it. When they're little, it's not everything is a why. But can you imagine if we take this principle of treat others like you want to be treated, and we do that with our kids in this area? I mean, even God explains so often on why we should do certain things, right? For example, uh, he says, serve, use your gifts for the glory of God. Why, right? He gives us the reason, what it does for you, what it does for your heart, what it does for others, what it does for the kingdom. And I thought, what if we could just take this principle, especially as our kids get older, and we unpack the why behind the what? Are you with me? Right, again, when, when, you know, when your toddler has nine cookies in their mouth, that's not the time to explain why you shouldn't shove all nine, Right? I'm not saying that, but as they grow and they mature, how cool would it be if the parents could slow down and say, listen, I don't want you going to that party and here's why. And you unpack it. Hey, this is why I don't like you staying out past this time. Here's why. And you know what? Listen to this. We may even actually teach our kids to think. It is amazing these days when you run into people that could think. Are you with me, right? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just like, when you find a young person that could articulate their thoughts and they could think and they could explain the why, you're just like, you are a gift from God, right? It's like, that is so awesome, right? But how cool would it be if we could just explain kindly and intentionally the why? Hey, this is why. This is why as a family we don't do this. This is why we believe this. This is why we're going this way as a family and we're not going, are, are you tracking, right? It, know the why behind the what. We're gonna have times when we just have to get it, tell them, but as a rule, make the, the effort to explain the why behind the what I think is valuable. Another way we exasperate them real quick is just unspoken expectations. Man, unspoken expectations just put a strain on any kind of relationship, work relationship, your marriage, close friends, and definitely with your kids, right? This ex expectation that's unspoken that my kid's going to this school, my kid's gonna have these kind of grades, my kid's gonna do this for a living, my kid's gonna do, and they're all of this pressure, whether it's said or unsaid, and sometimes these expectations are built on things that we were good at as parents. Sometimes they're built on things we weren't good at parents or we didn't have or didn't get to do. And we're just heaping all this on our kids. Have you ever been there? I, for me, it was wild to watch. Uh, and let me tread softly here. It was interesting to watch how often this would happen in the arena of sports on how parents, predominantly dads in my opinion, would try to live vicariously through their kids in sports. Now, here's one of the things that I've realized, and maybe I'm speaking to me, but I'll never tell you the truth in this area, but it seems like the older people get, the better they were. Have you noticed that? 
You know what I'm talking about. You know, you'll talk to some dad when they have their kids playing basketball, and they'll tell you that they were All-American twice, but reality, you just know they barely made JV because half the team got, you know, they're ineligible because of grades, right? But, but they, they just remember it different, right? These are the ones that yell at their kids, they bemean their kids, and they couldn't hit a backboard with a basketball with a hand grenade. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? They're the ones in their 50s still wearing their Letterman jacket, even though it comes up to here and can't button. You know what I'm talking about, right? And there's all of these projections. It's like, hey, listen, Dad, they can't all be amazing like you thought you were. You know what I'm talking about, right? If that's your husband right now, just look straight ahead, right? But you, you blink twice real fast, right? But you know that happens in, in all kinds of areas where we just put all these projections. I'll tell you, that's a lot of stress. So, so may, maybe today that God brought you here for just this moment, that you need to let go of this unspoken expectation that you just put on your kids that's just not healthy. Maybe they won't do what you do for a living. Maybe they'll take another path. How many know that, that God's business trumps any of our business? Amen. And if you are a person of faith, why not trust that God could help your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter navigate this crazy thing called life? Are you tracking with me, right? Maybe that's the reason you're here today. God tells us then we need to discipline our kids. No one likes talking about discipline. It's uncomfortable. And I, I'm always a little leery of people that say, oh, disciplining my kids is easy, right? Oh, it's so easy. I'm like, well, that's strange. Like, you enjoy it? I mean, it's just so easy for you. It's not easy for me. I don't like disciplining our girls. And obviously, I got two in their 20s. It's, a, it's different, obviously. Um, but I, I never enjoy disciplining uh, our girls. But God says, Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? And so how do we do this? Um, for most parents, it's a struggle. And I think for most, if they err, they err in not enough. But God gives us this kind of this framework for discipline. You find in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, right? And the writer just lays it out this way. And, he's, and we're looking at how God disciplines us as a model and how we could provide discipline for our kids. The uh, Hebrew says God disciplines us for our good. Oh, that's interesting, right? For our good, that we may share in his holiness, or we could be more like Jesus. Listen to this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I love this. So what does it say to us today as parents, moms, dads, grandparents, by influencers and our kids? This is what it says. First, everybody needs discipline. Are you with me? Everyone, everyone, at every season of our lives, right? that we need to continue to be held accountable and stay on track. God provides that for us. And, and I want you to know, I thought I knew all about this as a youth pastor before we had kids. Isn't it easy to tell someone how to discipline their kids before you have it? It's amazing how you could be an expert at things before you have kids, right? But here's what I know now, is like all kids need discipline. And, and, and we never really outgrow, right? And here's the kind of funny thing. When I was a youth pastor, I would talk to a mom or a dad or a grandparent about maybe the behavior of one of my students and they would say this I, I tell you what I've heard it a hundred times my son or my daughter would never do that <laughs> and I'm like you drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> when I had kids Danette and I we said we're never going to say that our kids could probably do that to the nth degree right <laughs> parents like my kid would never my, my kid would never lie are you kidding me? 
my kid would never be disobedient. Why are you always telling them no then, right? Right, my, my kid, look at these pictures, they're so cute. He shops at Baby Gap, he would never do that, <laughs> right? And I'm like, as parents, let's just be real. They, they, they are little yous, so just look back at how rotten you were as a kid. I'm kidding, right, I'm kidding. But I think we need to be honest, right? We need to be, we need to be aware that we all need discipline. Second principle is painful, uh, discipline is painful. How many, uh, how many would agree that discipline can be painful? Raise your hand. Now, when you talk about discipline, especially in church, and, and, and it seems like this is kind of a generational opinion on to spank or not to spank, that's the question, right? And there's some that are like, man, spank them, you know, and there's like, oh, I'm not for spanking my kid, and whatever. I was brought up in a home that my dad employed the right hand of fellowship, <laughs> right? His motto was, you don't change, son, when you see the light, you change when you feel the heat, right? And that, 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 was, that was me. Uh, and some people, you know, whatever, and I'm not going to tell you how necessarily to discipline your kids, but the book of Proverbs talks about uh, spanking is one form of discipline. It doesn't say it's the only form, but it is a form, but the Bible says also that it's, it's wrong to do any of this stuff in anger. So if you spank your kids, uh, slap their hands, don't do it in anger, right? So it is a form of discipline, but it's not the only form. And what we learned in our house that as our kids grew up, the discipline had to change, right? Because um, I don't know, I'm not, I, it changes, you get it. I don't have to fill in the gaps there for you. But here's what I've learned, right? Our job as parents, grandparents, is to teach at an early age when it is much, much easier that there are consequences for our actions. And we live in a culture now that is running rampant with people that don't get it, right? And so as believers, how about doing our kids a solid by saying, listen, there's a cause and effect. We're gonna reward you when you do something right, right? Because what's rewarded is repeated. It's a great tool to teach our kids. But also there's going to be discipline when you don't right that's just what we do in a godly way now here's what i did learn and i'm just going to pass this on free to you this is second service we got all the time in the world right so i learned that counting to 363 at a restaurant when my girls aren't behaving does not work please sit down please sit down one two don't make me get to 632 498 and everyone's like do you see that dad over there that guy could count he is solid on his counting right meanwhile my girls are hanging from the chandeliers right right and it, and it is funny and then it's like I'm counting I'm up to 742 and then I look at everyone who's going what is this child doing and you're like oh yeah they're tired they're tired of you counting is what they're tired of right <laughs> So we had to make adjustments. We had to learn. It wasn't easy, right? We, 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 we all know we got to be disciplined. But it also tells us the third thing. Listen to this. This is powerful. Discipline is for their benefit, not mine. When I disciplined my girls, when my dad disciplined me, and, and he did, it wasn't because he was doing it for him. It's not because I was doing it for me. It's because I wanted my girls to grow up to be honorable, God-honoring, people-respecting individuals. Are you with me? And I've noticed in my life, in most people's life, we don't drift to those things on accident. They've got to be taught. They've got to be modeled. God disciplines us for our good, 
not his good. And loving discipline is done for the child's sake, not mine. Are, are we tracking? Are we tracking? Okay. So what is God saying? You and I shouldn't exasperate our kids, but we have to discipline our kids. Thirdly, real quick, God says we have to nurture our children. This is huge. The word nurture means to set up the right environment for growth. The word nurture is used in the King James Version of Ephesians 6.4. It says bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, which means, hey, we're setting an environment for our kids to grow up to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. So we come to this realization that I can't make my kids serve Jesus. I can't do it. But I can set the environment up so they could meet Jesus, grow in Jesus, and tell people about Jesus. It's God's job to convict and to save. It's my job to provide opportunity to set that environment, right? You have to set that environment. When it comes to nurturing kids, we nurture them physically and emotionally, you know this, intellectually. But I want to hit real quick spiritually. First, let's be the first ones to lead them to Jesus personally. Like, let's talk about Jesus with their kids when they're little. Let's talk about them when they're older. Let's get them to this face-to-face reality that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but what? Have everlasting life. There's no greater joy than being a mom or dad, a grandma or grandma, where you could sit down the one you love and you could point them to Jesus. Are you with me? If Jesus means anything to you, this conversation should be a high priority with your kids. Right? It just should. And it just has to be casual. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be Billy Graham. Just talk about him, right? John says, yet to all who received him, listen to everybody, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, Piper, you're not only my daughter, but you can believe in Jesus, and you can be a daughter of God. He loves you so much. Hey, baby, do you want to ask Jesus into your life? Do you, do you, you want to be a follower of Jesus like mommy and dad? Do you, do you, do you want to follow Jesus? Right, we could do that. Secondly, we need to pray for our kids. There's been seasons in my life where I've not been diligent enough. I wouldn't go long periods of time, but I didn't make it enough priority at times. And I'm telling you, prayer works. If you want to set the environment for growth for your child, pray for him. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, As for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to what? To pray for you. How convicting is that? And you're like, well, how is it a sin not to pray for our kids or how not to pray in general? Here's what it says. When we don't pray, this is what it says. Stick with me. When we don't pray, it says, it's communicating to God that we don't need his help. And I'm going to be your friend today and just remind you, you need God's help. Right? No matter how confident and how cocky or how much swagger you came in because you have degrees after your name, because you're this or that, listen, if you want to lead your kids well spiritually, you need God's help. Amen. You need God's help. And when I take a knee, when I pray in my chair, every morning I'm like, Lord, bless Madison and bless Lexi. Keep your hands on them. Be with P as she goes. I mean, I just pray for them because I realize what they need I can't provide. Oh, sure, I could provide the temporal, but they need a brush with the eternal. Are you with me? And I need to pray for that. Are, are you still with me? You're not too bad at me yet, are you? Because I got more. All right, third, <laughs> I'm just kidding. third way we nurture is that we help them grow spiritually. What does that mean? Hey, let's provide next steps. Regardless of where your son, daughter, grandkids at, hey, let's help them find their next steps. What's their next step? How do we keep them growing and going? And this is one of those things I just want to gently nudge because it really was exposed through this season of COVID is that so many parents don't feel comfortable. And I feel like more that than a heart thing. They don't feel comfortable 
or equipped to lead their child to grow spiritually. Here's what we need to remember. Roughly 1%, if you're a faithful church attender, 1% of your child's life will be in church, learning the Bible stories, learning the principles and lessons and all those things. And I am so grateful for the kids' teams at Harvest, from babies up, Amanda, Pastor Jeff, and Daphne, the entire team, they do a great job. Aren't you grateful for them, right? I'm so grateful. But it's 1%. Studies show that like 82 to 83% of their life will be at home. So our job, our heart, our prayer is that we come alongside of you and partner with you, but we can't raise your kids. Amen. Two hours a week if you come on Wednesdays and Sundays. Every week so we need to learn and be confident to help our kids take the next step right we need to help them listen columbia university did a study they spent a quarter of a million dollars to find out uh, a shocking truth this is what they discovered that the number one influence on a child is their home i could have saved them all that money i'd been like i'll tell you 10 bucks what you're looking for right it's home how do you help them grow deuteronomy 11 Fix these words of mine into your hearts and minds. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. I love that. Just talk about it. Talk about Jesus. Just talk about it. And here's the cool thing. Your kids are not expecting you to know everything. But your kids deserve you to go first. Right? They used to say, you teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And maybe that breaks down. But here's what I know, is there's a lot of things that kids catch by us modeling. Let's just use an extreme example just to keep you awake. I know very few parents that teach their kids how to cuss. You could, right? Hey, Junior, here's, like, here's five or six words you should really use when you're really hacked off, right? We don't do that. But you go on the playground, and Junior, he's got a repertoire of, of words because some things are caught even when they're not taught are you with me Amen. what if we just turn that on its head please turn it on ahead then you, you know that's like that we're just going to do our best to help our kids grow you guys get it we talk about the bible we how about memorizing a verse how about showing verses on the wall you know we kind of laugh at our home like uh we have um bible verses on the wall now don't get the wrong picture of this like Danette posts sticky notes all over our house with bible verses but so we have artwork that has Bible verses and we kind of kid, isn't it so cliche that a Christian or a pastor's home would have Bible verses on their wall? And maybe it is. But it, it, what a great way to get that in your mind, in your heart. Right? How, how, how intentional is that? Why don't you just put something up somewhere? Pastor Jeff is handing out something last week and I think this week, like a tool, like something you could see. And I'm like, maybe if you don't even know how to memorize scripture, here's what I want you to do. Run to Hobby Lobby, Right? And that place is not short on, on Bible verses on canvas, right? You go, you go and just buy a bunch and start tacking up on your wall. So when you walk by it, you could just see a verse. First Corinthians 13, you're reminded what love really looks like. I mean, just go, and here's the thing, just take your 40% coupon off and you get things for next to nothing, right? <laughs> I went to my wife, I do it after t I preach every time. I said, was there anything I shouldn't say? And she goes, you got one thing horribly wrong. I'm like, here we go right i'm getting ready i gotta make this adjustment and she said they don't send the 40 percent email out anymore <laughs> noted thank you babe our my resident theologian is keeping me on track right hey be intentional about helping your son or your daughter grow right make church a priority 
We know people could come to church and sit in church their entire life and not grow in their relationship with Jesus. We know that. We know that. We see it. But I'm telling you with the likelihood of your son or daughter maturing in their faith and being connected to the family of God dramatically goes up when moms and dads make church a priority. Right? Get them in youth group. Get them in youth group. God is doing some really cool things. Get them in kids' church. And then talk about it when you get home. Talk about it. I mean, make, make it a priority. There's going to come a day when your son or your daughter won't be playing basketball and they won't be playing baseball and they won't be filling the blank, but they'll still need Jesus. Amen. Right? Make Jesus a priority. Go first. Last one, and we'll wrap it up with this. He, show, he says, show compassion to your kids, right? We need to show compassion to our kids. Uh, I don't know of a better verse for healthy relationships and family or anywhere else than the 32nd chapter the 32nd verse of the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul writing that letter to the church, he says, be kind and compassionate. I love that. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And then he says this, forgiving each other. That is huge. Why or how? Just as Christ, God forgave you. What is the big deal? When I show compassion, when I forgive my kids, um, it shows that I'm acting like Jesus. I'm being a reflection of Jesus right? When I forgive them, I'm being a reflection of Jesus, right? This is what makes family work, is compassion. I can't tell you how many times I've had to apologize to my girls, right? I am so far from a perfect parent, so far, but I'm telling you what, I know this, is that love is spelled with compassion, right? And sometimes you just got to add to that compassion forgiveness where I got to forgive them and they need to forgive me. And I'm telling you what, this kind of fun spiritual cocktail definitely uh, increases the likelihood of a healthier God-honoring family unit. Are you with me? But here's what I know. I would have never, ever been able to show compassion or to love the way I try to love or forgive the way I try to forgive if I had not experienced the compassion, the love, and the forgiveness of Jesus, right? Right, and, and why would I? But there's something beautiful when you could get to a place in your life when you're like, oh, I get it. How Jesus loves me is how I'm supposed to show love to other people. Are you with me? Isn't it always just interesting when people call themselves Christians, but they won't forgive you? They're missing it, right? I could forgive because I have been forgiven. It's not easy, but that's what we do. I could love you because I've been loved by God. I could show compassion to you because God has shown compassion to me. Are, are we tracking, right? So I, I, I think there just needs to be less of a disconnect between how we receive all the good things from God and how we show them to our children or our spouse or our close friends or our coworkers. Are you tracking? So maybe we could say this as we put a bow on this. The first step in, in fleshing out being, uh, and being a Christ-like mom or dad or grandparent or whatever is that we need to know who we are in Jesus. That you are forgiven, that you're covered by his grace, and that you are loved. And then you've been sent to demonstrate that to others. And so maybe the parenting struggle is not that you don't know the principles, but rather you haven't experienced them yourself from a loving Heavenly Father. 
And if that's you, your first step today, and you can do this, is just receive Jesus to be your Lord and Savior right where you're at. You simply say, God, I'm a sinner, and we all are, right? Don't get high and mighty. We've all fallen short of God's standards. Are you with me? I could barely live up to my own standards at times, let alone God's. I needed a Savior. You need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. You need a Savior. So, God, I I need a Savior, and that's your son, Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me. Let me receive your love, your compassion, your grace. Let me experience your forgiveness. And that is that starting point, that turning point on how we parent and love well. So maybe that's your first step today. I don't know. I know God wants to help. I know God wants to help those of you that are here today. And I talk to these, these people with these kind of hurts so frequently that you're still carrying around bitterness or hurt or resentment from something your parents did or did not do for you. I'm really sorry. But today I want to just nudge you again to lay that at the feet of Jesus because he didn't, care, he, he didn't build you to carry that bitterness around. Are you with me? And you may have to lay it down every day, but say, I am not going to be bitter. I cannot control how I was raised, but I can control how I live. Maybe you're just tired as a parent and you're chasing kids around and you're just in an incredibly difficult season. Difficult meaning tiring. Listen, sometimes it's just really hard, but doesn't change the fact that God is still really good. And it's in those moments when you feel like your tank is empty or getting there quickly, when you haven't slept, when you're always bugged, you can't even do your devotions because you've got the littles, that you gotta understand that you're not the first one that's ever experienced that, and people make it through. So you pray for a perspective shift or a perspective enhancement. Lord, thank you for equipping me to deal, handle, love, manage, and minister to these little people. God, let me understand that this is one of the most pivotal seasons of my kids' lives. Give me joy and strength for the journey. And it's amazing how God will answer that request. Are you with me? Maybe your kids are just flat out off the rails and you're just devastated. You're devastated. You don't know what to do. Put it at the feet of Jesus. God, I need your help with this. Fill in the blank. And I want you to know God is faithful. He's faithful. Do you believe that he's faithful? I firmly believe that if he could show me grace and save me and give me a place in eternity, then surely he could help me navigate my little family. It may feel overwhelming. You may feel like you don't know what to do, but God is still in control. Those of you that are just maybe having a great season of your life, write it down. Date it. So when you go through a storm, you could go back. Celebrate it. Thank God for it. Those of you that are wondering what tomorrow will bring with your family, lay that at the feet of Jesus. What's my point? My point is this. Regardless of where you're at and in what season you are with your kids, your grandkids, listen, They're gifts from God. Are you with me? None of our kids, none of our grandkids were accidents. Right? Some of you are like, well, no, they're not accidents. Yeah, they're not accidents. So what do we do? We do our best under the Lord to steward the gifts really, really well. And you'll hit, I don't know, you'll have speed bumps and hiccups, there's no doubt because people are hard, even your own little people. But God is really, really good. And I'd want you to know one more time that your friends at Harvest 
we're working at doing our best to partner with you to provide environments that your kids could come and grow in their relationships with Jesus. My challenge to you is take advantage of them. Make it a priority. My challenge to you, mom and dad, go first. Make Jesus a priority. Are you with me? And Christianity is not a Sunday-only type of faith. It works best when you put Jesus at the center of your life every day. Could I get an amen? And so that's my heart for us this morning. Let me pray for you. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Simple call this morning. How many would say, you know what, Wes? I would love some help in this area of parenting. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? My hand's up. Yeah, God's help, God's wisdom, God's instructions, God's grace. Yeah, awesome. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, right where you're at, invite him into your life. Make it personal, right? It's not a formula. It's just an invitation. God, come into my life. Forgive me my sins and give me a fresh start. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. And I thank you for every family that's represented in the building, all those families represented online. Today, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will just nudge your heart in the, uh, in the way only you can that would just propel us to be really intentional on how we keep you the center of our homes. God, I pray that, Lord, that our kids can see and feel and experience our love for you. God, I pray that we could steward this trust that you've given us with these little people, and maybe the kids that aren't so little anymore, that they know that they're important not only to us, but to you. Father, I pray you give every mom and every dad and every grandparent rest and strength and wisdom and insight. God, I pray against any attack on families and marriages today in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're grateful that your word is still relevant for today. I'm grateful for Harvest Chapel. Bless my friends in the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be joy for the journey, a little pep in our step, a little excitement in our spirit because, Lord, we know you're doing great things in our lives. And, God, I'm grateful that because of your grace, it's never too late to become better. Better for you, a better parent, a better spouse, a better friend, a better employee. Help us with that today, all for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a big hand clap of praise? Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. On your way out, fist bump, high five someone, and say it was sure good to see you at Harvest today. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Chapel, visit our website, harvestchapel.net. If you want to support any of the ministries at Harvest Chapel, you can do so by visiting harvestchapel.net slash give and choose from several of our giving options. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe. We have new messages every week. Feel free to share our message on any of your social media platforms and tag us at harvest.chapel. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless, and we'll see you next week.